Hey everybody, welcome back to Investing with Wesley. You know, you've heard me say a lot that I look at tax strategy the same way I look at the game of chess and that every entity and every character has its own function to lower your tax burden. And in today's episode, I want to explain to you on what all those entities are and how they affect you. Let's get into it. So for starters, the majority of these entities are going to be business structures. And that is simply because the United States tax code is set up to favor businesses more than individuals. When it comes to tax strategies and lowering your taxable income, the United States tax code doesn't really give way on how to lower someone's taxable income when it comes to a salary. Most of the tax code is in regards to businesses. So that's where I'm going to be spending my focus today. But even if you don't have a business, it doesn't mean the knowledge I'm about to give you isn't going to help you because at the end of the day, these are just entities and you could pretty much do whatever you want with each of these entities. It's all on how you structure them. So you don't have to be an $11 billion profit generating business like Amazon and you don't have to be a small business and you don't necessarily have to be a business at all to profit from these tax strategies. You just have to structure these entities properly. Now, the first entity I want to talk to you about is the number one entity that everyone forms when they're starting out in the world of business, and that is the sole proprietorship. Now, a sole proprietorship is basically you. You are the business. There is no separation between you and the business. So if you create crafts and sell them on Etsy, or if you find some dilapidated objects at yard sales, refinish them and then sell them again for a profit, all those things that you're doing are business activities just in the definition of a sole proprietorship. And how sole proprietorships are taxed, they're taxed the same way a person is taxed. All business income and losses are passed through onto you, the individual. So if your sole prop business of you flipping items from yard sales has a profit, you, the individual, will have to pay taxes on that. If the sole prop from you selling flipped items from yard sale takes a loss, then that loss is deemed as a tax deduction towards your earned income and you're compensated for that loss by the government giving you a deduction in an equal amount to the income you earned as a regular person. So for most people out there, they work a normal job and receive a W-2 when it comes time for tax seasons. If they had a side hustle flipping objects online that took a loss, well, whatever that loss amount was would be moved as a tax deduction to the income that they received on their W-2. And this is kind of the first strategy where why a lot of people recommend side gigs. And that is because if you have a business, whether it's a sole prop or an advanced business structure, any amount of money that you spend to operate that business is a tax write off. So if you spend $500 on paint and tools and machinery in order to refinish some furniture you found at a yard sale, And let's say you only sold that furniture for $100. You just generated a loss of $400 in that tax year that can be rolled over to deduct the amount of income you received in your W-2 employment. The next player is the LLC, and this is one of the more popular entities out there because it's a hybrid of all the other entities out there. An LLC can act as a sole proprietorship or it can act as a C or an S corp, which we'll get into in a moment. Now, the cool thing about an LLC is that even though it can be taxed as a sole proprietorship or a pass through entity, as they call it, it is considered a separate legal entity from you as a person. So let's say you had a very successful business flipping these yard sale furnitures, but you accidentally did something wrong and someone sued your business. 
Well, if it was a sole proprietorship, you as a person would also be held liable. So you wouldn't just lose the assets in your business, but you could also potentially lose all the assets that you have as a person. So if you had $600 worth of equipment for your business, but you also owned a $300,000 house in your name and someone sued your business in a sole prop, they could potentially also take your home in that lawsuit because you and your business are considered the same thing. But in an LLC, the business is considered separate. So even though it can be taxed as a pass-through entity like a sole prop is, it is considered separate. So any asset inside that LLC is protected from external creditors as well as all your personal assets are protected from internal creditors within the LLC. What do I mean by that? Well, if your business was structured in the form of an LLC and someone sued your business, they cannot access any of the assets that you have as a person. And likewise, if someone sued you as a person, they cannot access any of the assets in this LLC because they are considered two separate legal entities. Now, what's a partnership? Well, a partnership is very similar to a sole prop, except there's more than one individual. So a sole prop is you and the business are the same person. But a partnership is you and a friend, you and a business partner, or you and a spouse. You and somebody else both agree to go into business together for the sake of making money. So if it's you and a friend going into the business together to refinish and sell yard sale furniture, then that would be considered a partnership. Now the cool thing about a partnership is that it is still a pass-through entity, meaning all the profit and losses carry on to you, but because there's the partnership aspect of it, all the income or losses is separated and distributed to each of the partners in the amount of weight they have in that partnership. So if I owned 80% of the partnership and you owned 20% of the partnership, then 20% of all the profits and losses would go to you that you would have to file on your personal tax returns. Really, in a plain and simple way, a partnership is just a multi-member sole prop. All the rules still apply, and if someone sued the partnership, both you and the other partner would still be on the hook personally for any assets the creditors might come looking for. The only way to protect your personal assets is to have an entity that is considered separate from yourself. So let's talk about an S-Corp. An S-Corp is a corporation that is taxed as a pass-through entity, just like all the other entities we've talked about, except for a couple major differences. If you set up your business structure in the form of an S-Corp, then you as the owner are also considered an employee, especially if what you're doing as the owner is providing goods or services. You're considered an employee as well as the owner. Now, although the S-Corp does provide pass-through taxation, making all the profits and losses connect to you, the person, on your own tax returns, an S-Corp is still a separate entity just like an LLC is, but also because you're considered the owner and an employee, you can use an S-Corp to lower your self-employment taxes because you can pay yourself a fair salary like the IRS calls for and any additional money that you want to take out of this business, you can take as a distribution because you're also the owner. And like we talked about in my previous episode, distributions are taxed at much less of a tax rate than income is. So if you wanted to have a $100,000 a year salary from this S-Corp of yours, you can pay yourself a $20,000 a year salary and take the remaining $80,000 a year from this S-Corp as a distribution and not have to pay the same taxes that you would if you took it all as a salary. Now, the other form of corporation is a C-Corp, and this is like the original form of starting a business. Pretty much any time someone talks about a corporation or starting a business and they don't mention an LLC, they're talking about a C-Corp because that is typically the industry standard when it comes to businesses. 
Now, a C-Corp is not a pass-through entity like everything else we've talked about. A C-Corp has to file their own tax return, and all profits and losses are filed with itself when it does its own taxes. A C-Corp is taxed at a flat rate of 21%, and, and any income that the owner receives from it is either subject to income tax or capital gains tax, depending on what side of the ownership scale you qualify for. As an example, if I am the actual owner doing the work and building this business, then the distributions I would take would count as income and be taxed as a distribution. But if I was an investor and the money I received from this C-Corp was in the form of a dividend, then I'd have to pay the capital gains tax version of that. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, why would I choose a C-Corp over any of the other entities I mentioned? Because it's basically double taxation. And you would be right. If a C-Corp has to pay its own taxes, as well as you'll have to pay the taxes on income you receive from it, why should you choose a C-Corp over something like an S-Corp or an LLC? Well, one of the big reasons you would want to go with a C-Corp is if you're engaging in something like house flipping, where you could put money into the C-Corp as a contribution, and then that C-Corp goes and invests in these properties, flipping them and selling them. Instead of all that profit and or loss going directly to you, the investor, those profits can be locked away inside the C-Corp to continue to be reinvested into other properties. And once those assets are older than one year, you can distribute them to yourself or the other members of your C-Corp and pay much less taxes on them than if you just did it in any other entity and had it come to you with a pass-through structure. So delaying when you pay those taxes in your business is ultimately gonna be the big deciding factor on whether you wanna do a pass-through entity or a non-pass-through entity like a C-Corp. Now the last corporation I wanna to talk to you about is a corporation that not a lot of people use and that is because it is a non-profit. A non-profit corporation is an organization that engages in public and private activities without the purpose of producing commercial or monetary gain. So when we're talking business entities, to include something whose purpose is to not make money doesn't make sense. But remember, this isn't about business as much as it is tax strategy. And if you use a 501c3 nonprofit corporation properly, then this would be your queen when it comes to chess pieces because it can go in all sorts of directions and pretty much do all sorts of things. Now, the biggest benefit when it comes to a nonprofit organization is that if it's set up correctly and approved by the IRS, you pay zero corporate taxes, so that gets rid of the flat 21%, as well as you'll usually pay zero capital gains tax, property taxes, and get a refund for all sales tax that you have to pay. As long as whatever it is you bought is for the sake of the nonprofit and not just random things you're buying with the nonprofit. Now, as far as all the entities I just got done talking to you about, these are all business entities. The next couple entities are not business entities, but they are still key aspects of the game of tax strategy. The next one I wanna to talk to you about is a trust. Now, trusts literally come in all shapes and sizes. You can do a land trust, a revocable trust, an irrevocable trust, a gun trust, a statutory trust. Like, there's thousands of different trusts out there. But I'm gonna to talk to you about trusts themselves what a trust actually does for you. A trust is a legal entity that separates you from your assets. As an example, if I had a bunch of different rental properties and I put them all into a trust, me and the trust are considered two separate individuals. So if I get sued, the assets in my trust won't be affected. 
But more so than that, trust avoids probate. And probate is typically where the government takes its 50% estate tax from your heirs. So not only do you get some liability protection when it comes to putting assets inside of a trust, but you also get tax protection towards the end of your life when you pass away and leave all of your assets to your friends and family. And trusts continue beyond death because when your beneficiaries start receiving income from the assets held within these trusts, that income is usually not taxable. And the few times it is taxable, it is taxed at an extremely low rate. So you could be literally transferring millions of dollars worth of wealth stored inside this trust and pay little to no taxes on it. That's why trusts are extremely valuable when it comes to tax strategy and tax planning. And coupled with trust, as far as estate planning goes, are things called wills. Now, I made an episode already on the differences between a will and a trust and why you should have both. But plain and simple, a will is basically the safety net for all of your assets. If you create a will, that is a legal document telling the probate courts where all of your assets should go and to who. If you don't have a will and you pass away, all of your assets held within your estate are going to go to probate. And anyone and their mom can hire a lawyer and try and get those assets for themselves out of your estate. But if you have a will, you can designate where all these assets go and to who. So it really helps the probate process and acts as a safety net, preventing any random person from coming in and stealing your assets that you want to leave to your family. And the last two key players in this chess game are life insurance and loans. Now, life insurance as a whole is really important because whether you're filthy rich or not, life insurance will help pay for those end of life expenses. But more so when it comes to tax preparation, any asset that you might have forgot or didn't leave inside a trust or in a protected entity will be subject to the estate tax of about 50%. So to some people, getting life insurance to cover that amount of tax burden is important because if you know you leaving all of your assets to your family is going to cost your family a million dollars worth of taxes, then you can get a life insurance policy worth a million dollars so that the government can get the million dollars to satisfy their tax craving and all your family gets to keep its assets completely tax-free. Now, the reason people do this is because more often than not, life insurance proceeds, that is the big check that gets paid out when you unfortunately pass away, those proceeds 99% of the time are not taxable as income. Very few times is it taxable as income, and typically it's only when someone has a cash value policy that has turned into a modified endowment policy. But like I said, most of the time, life insurance proceeds are not taxable as income. So if the government wants a million dollars from all the assets you leave behind, then your beneficiaries can easily write them that million dollar check from your life insurance policy and just hand it to the government so that they don't need to sell any assets in that trust or in the will or in your estate to pay for those taxes. And lastly, loans. Loans are really important to understand because tax law says that any income generated from a loan is not taxable. And this is really fundamental and really easy to building your wealth and to lower your taxable burden. As an example, let's talk real estate. And let's talk investment real estate because your primary residence has different rules. If I bought an investment property and sold it, I would have to pay income taxes on all the income I received. As an example, if I bought an investment property and later on sold it, I would have to pay either short or long-term capital gains tax on the profit that I received from selling that property. However, if I knew that property was going to sell for $500,000, 
So I used a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan to draw as much equity as I possibly could from that loan before I sold it. Let's say I had a loan on that property for $490,000, leaving only $10,000 worth of equity left in that house. When I sold that house for $500,000, the government's gonna look at that as a wash because pretty much all the proceeds from someone buying that home for $500,000 is going to pay back the loans I had against that property. So I would only have to pay taxes on the $10,000 of equity that was left behind in that property, but all the equity I withdrew from my property before selling it is not taxable because in the government's eyes, it was considered a loan. This is how real estate investors and savvy business owners avoid so much taxes is because they take so much of their income in loans and use either their profits or the rent generated in their investment properties to pay those loans back. So this is why loans make the list on important characters to place in your tax planning and tax strategy game because they are fundamental in lowering your tax burdens. But with that being said, guys, those are all the important players that we're going to have in our tax strategy come our next episode. I hope you got value from this episode. And if you did, please remember to like and subscribe if you haven't done so already, because it really helps the YouTube algorithm get this channel out there so that I can help encourage and educate more people on this extremely important topic. I post to this channel two times a week on Mondays and Friday. I also have a dedicated Instagram account called Invest with Wesley, so feel free to follow me there. I don't post there too often, but if you ever have a question on taxes, finance, investments, whatever it may be, it's a lot easier to reach me there on Instagram than it is to leave a comment and reach me here on YouTube. But until our next episode, have a good one.